Welcome to Rise and Shine, the podcast dedicated to women in home building who are ready to rise professionally and shine personally. I am your host, Abby Cornelius, and I am thrilled to embark on this empowering journey with you. Together, we're going to dive into the world of leadership, sales, mindset, results, and corporate climbing, all tailored to the unique experiences of women in this industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting out, Rise and Shine is here to provide you with actionable insights, inspiring stories, and expert advice to propel you forward in your career and illuminate your personal growth. So if you're ready to break some barriers, conquer challenges, and redefine success on your own terms, you are in the right place. It's time to rise, it's time to shine, and it all starts right here. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Rise and Shine, and I have a very special guest with us today, Miss Amy Druhat. Hey, Amy, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. Absolutely. If you don't know Amy, you need to know her, so stick around and tune in. Uh, Amy and I have been in similar circles. I feel like we've got a lot of friends in common, and we connected recently and just very inspired by Uh, your story and the wonderful things that you're doing in our industry and just the impact that you're making. So I wanted to have you on, share your story with our audience, but a little background on Amy is that she is a 20 year vet this year, right? Is this your 20 years in home building? 20 years in the industry. Crazy. So season pro, right? Back, back, way back when. (laughs) If we're ever really pros, I guess, you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, you can get pro status, I think. We, We can always learn more, but I think at 20 years, you've logged more than your 10,000 hours at this right. point. Yes. You got your pro you got your pro badge. Uh and just had a really great career growing, you know, and I don't want to steal your I don't want to steal your story. So I want you to share that. But Amy, welcome, like I said, and you are now sitting as the VP of sales at Eastwood, correct? Right. Absolutely. So um I'm currently the VP of sales for Eastwood Homes. Um I've been here uh, six years as of January. So it's been six wonderful years with an amazing builder. Uh, we primarily build on the East Coast in Atlanta, um, South Carolina, North Carolina, and then Virginia is the furthest north that we build. And so I came on here six years ago as a sales manager. Uh, two years later, was promoted to director of sales. And then uh, two years ago, was promoted to VP of sales. So it's been an incredible journey. Um, and I guess I could share a little bit about my background, yeah. uh, which is not your typical background of someone in a VP of sales role. I actually started in this industry 20 years ago at Ryan Homes in more of an administrative role. I actually did not go to college and was working at Capital One and was looking for something uh, when they were kind of outsourcing all of their call center employees and came across an ad in the paper because that's what we did back then. We looked yep. in the, the paper and applied, um, yep. faxed my resume over. Oh my God. And, <laughs> and ended up having an interview at Ryan Homes um, for a warranty administrator. So that was my first introduction to this industry was in warranty for about two years and then went into closing settlement administrator uh, for about two years before the recession. Mm. So in 2008, I was laid off from Ryan Holmes. Um, I know a lot of us were impacted that if we were in the industry at that point in time. And you know, I was what, 20, 28 years old, had uh, three children at home and really was struggling finding something to do. So I made flyers and put them out and I cleaned houses for about four years uh, before re-entering into the workforce um, 
did a short stint at a commercial construction company, and then saw an ad for a uh, marketing manager role with a local builder that was very well known in our market. And I knew I was not qualified, but mm -hmm. I thought, you know, worst case, I don't hear from them. So why not send my resume? Right. Much to my surprise, the next day I received an email from the hiring manager saying that he had received my uh, resume on LinkedIn, which I did not have a LinkedIn. So I thought that was odd, but I wasn't going to question it. <laughs> and he asked if I could come in for an interview. So I went into the interview and ended up uh, they ended up offering me the job. But the most interesting piece was the morning of my interview. He told me later that he had printed off my resume and realized he had actually called the wrong person. He had meant to call someone else, but he felt bad and didn't want to cancel on me. And so he brought me in for the interview and ended up giving uh, giving me a chance and hiring me uh, for the marketing manager of that construction company. Did that for a couple of years and then uh, had become very close with the sales team. They needed some sales leadership and I voiced that to senior management. And they came back to me the next day and said, we think you're right. And we think you should be the sales manager. Oh, that's awesome. So I've never actually sold in a model home. I don't have any sales, previous sales experience, but um, where I, I do think that I excel is my people skills. And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the most important pieces of leading a team is being able to understand the needs of your team and uh, being able to connect with, with the people that that you serve um, as your team members. So um, yeah, that I was with that company for a couple of years and uh, left there, came to Eastwood and the rest is history. So that that's a little bit about my background in our uh, new construction industry. That's really cool. That's a great path. And I love sharing these kind of stories of just getting your foot in the door in this industry and where it can take you if you let it. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things I love about home building is there's so many different seats and opportunities and different roles and things you can explore and you never know where it's going to take you. Uh, I know when I was in the sales leadership seat, I was really close with all the ladies in the office and we would get a lot of new hires, college grads come in and they come into those administrative positions mm -hmm. and they'd often be like, I could never do what you did or I could never be a salesperson. I'm like, yes, you can. Yes, yes you can. If you want to, I mean, you don't have to, but anybody can do it. Right. Um, especially if you start getting that industry experience and that know-how, it, it can serve you in, in a variety of roles. Right. I also love that you didn't sit in a model home and you're a sales leader. I didn't know that. I think right. I think that's phenomenal. And I think it's important because I always say to people, what makes you a great individual salesperson isn't necessarily the skills you need as a leader. Your mm -hmm. leadership skills are a totally different, unique set of skills. Of course, that experience can serve you in a multitude of ways, but that's not really your secret sauce as a leader. Your secret right. sauce as a leader is the people and it's that strategy and connecting the dots. And if you were already seeing opportunities in your organization to ask like say, hey guys, we need a sales leader. Right, <laughs> but right. You already had those leadership skills because you're seeing, oh my gosh, here's a problem, I can fix it. That's the beauty of a leader, right? Right. And, and gathering the troops to get that done and creating that energy around it. So very inspiring journey. I hope some lady listening is like, oh, if, if Amy can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Like, Trust me, I was cleaning work. houses 13 years ago and now sitting as a VP of sales, that anything is possible. We are all capable of, of achieving anything that we want to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And like kudos to you for doing what you had to do to take mm -hmm. care of your family and finding a path. Like I, uh, I saw so many people that did get displaced out of home building during the downturn. And that's a scary time. That's a scary time to like, hey, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna show up? Mm -hmm. And you 
you were in sales all the way back then, Amy, making right. a little right. fire. Right. your marketing and sales? You know, you have that experience. Oh, I had, I, you, you'll love this. I had the best slogan. My oh. slogan was satisfaction guaranteed or your dirt back. So <laughs> I love that. That's so great. I don't think anybody took you up on that, did they? No, no. I, obviously, I did a very good job. Not a single person asked for their dirt back. So I think I did a pretty good job. That's that's really, really clever. So see, you were marketing genius all the way yeah. back then to 28. That's so amazing. very, very cool. So tell tell everybody a little bit about the work that you're doing outside of your actual role. Cause I know you have, you know, a really big influence in your professional women in building network and you are aligned with some organizations. So share a little bit about how you give back to this industry and the community that you're in. Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, we have so much opportunity within this industry to give back in so many different ways, especially when you have um, experience that other people can learn from. As so currently I do serve as, um, one of the board members of our local HBA. So I serve on the board of directors for our Home Building Association of Richmond. I also am the founder and chair of the Professional Women in Building Council here in Richmond, which was the first PWB in the state of Virginia. So that has been very exciting. And that we've grown in two years to over 232 members. So wow. obviously there was a, a demand for that here in this market and a need. Um, and I've been so pleased to be able to connect with more of the women. It's so interesting being a part of something like that, where you're networking all the time with women who typically you're competing with um, in the building world. And the amount of just support and love that I have seen as these women have come together and we've all become pretty close has been just incredible to witness. So I just feel very blessed to be a part of that. Um, I also served on the executive leadership team for the house that she built with Molly Elkman last oh, year yeah. and uh, helping to support that movement, uh, which I know we all see is just an incredible movement, not just for women today in our industry, but to create a future for women in our industry. So that has been an incredible blessing. Um, and then I also uh, do a lot of work uh, personally now with Homes for Hope, uh, which mm -hmm. is another organization uh, within our industry that works with home builders to uh, build homes that would then um, they donate the profits back to Homes for Hope and they deploy those loans as are those um, dollars as loans to men and women living in poverty all over the world so that they can become entrepreneurs. Oh, so I've been very blessed to be a part of uh, starting a new program for that organization connected with professional women in building uh, where we build playhouses and uh, sell ticket sales for that. And then the proceeds go to Homes for Hope um, to help support their mission. That's really cool. Yeah, I saw the little playhouse that you guys recently built. That yes. was really, really cool. And then did you actually get to travel to some of these areas where the entrepreneurs are? Were you part of that? So I leave this coming Wednesday oh. to go to the Dominican Republic to meet uh, mm -hmm. the loan officers that uh, live in the cities uh, where these loans are given and also meet a few of the recipients of these loans. So I am so excited for that experience. Um, I'm actually mm -hmm. traveling with a group of women from Professional Women in Building, um, as well as um, a handful of women I know throughout the industry um, through a couple of other mastermind groups that I've been a part of. Wonderful. Yeah, that's crazy how a small little action of you saying like, oh, we need a PWB can turn into 200 ladies and then an alignment with this organization. And it's just really encouraging. I hope anybody listening understands that if you 
if you see a need, you can fill that need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, for, for me, for so long in my career, I felt like a lone lady <laughs> in home building. I was just kind of like stuck in my builder and stuck in the office. And are there any other ladies out there? And, <laughs> and it took me getting a little outside of my comfort zone and going to events and reaching out to people on LinkedIn and, you know, doing meetups and stop seeing these ladies as my competition and saying, yes. hey, I need a friend. Like, not many people get our industry. My best friends don't even understand like what we do every day. Like we have this unique thing where we really get each other and starting to connect with the other women sales leaders in my market. Like it was huge for me. It was huge for me for my professional growth. It was huge for me for my sanity. It was, it was also really good where it allowed us all to shine because we're not, if we see ourselves as competition, we're not communicating. And if we're not communicating, we're not growing and we're not learning. But if we are sharing with each other what's working, what's not working, what struggles we have, we're all going to, what's the saying? Um, a rising tide raises all ships. Right. So it kind of helps us all level up instead of, you know, the crab pot effect, if I'm going to bring her down or whatever that, you know, that's not productive. Let's be there and support each other. And it sounds like you've built a really beautiful community for, yeah. for yourself. And I'm very keen at you probably remember, you know, growing up in this industry, it really did feel, mm. you know, without anyone saying it, it felt like if there was only one seat at the table for yeah. a woman, then we were all competing for that. Yeah. And and it was this underlining feeling of being friends, but also feeling like you had to watch your back all the time. And, and I would say growing up through this industry, a lot of the times it wasn't the men that I felt the most threatened from or um, the most hurt from. It was really my relationships with the women. And I love that over the last several years, we've seen a shift occur where women are really seeking out other women and supporting their initiatives and uh, the things that they want to do and believing in each other and just supporting each other and showing love. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. I remember the very first event that I went to uh, for our HBA after our very first PWB event and going into this room where there was faces in every direction that I looked that felt welcoming. I felt comfortable. And I I used to be really intimidated going to these industry events because Mm -hmm. I just felt really awkward and out of place. And it was the first time that I felt that I could walk into a room and felt comfortable knowing that there were women all over the room that I could go and join in conversation with. And it really felt like I belong. And, and that is probably the biggest impact that I've seen for the women here in our market, having a group like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that too. It does. It feels like there's been a huge shift in the last few years of women supporting women, women getting to, there's not just one seat anymore, right? There's many women sitting in these different roles and going into different departments. You know, traditionally I felt like women just kind of stayed in sales and marketing. So if there was one VP of sales, it was like, all right, ladies, let's (laughs) figure out who's going to get that seat. Right. But you know, now we see women leaders in construction. We see women leaders in purchasing and architecture and, and running divisions and operational leadership. So it's just really exciting. I think, I think what's happening is the scarcity of opportunity is going away, which is allowing for community collaboration. And we should, we should always be cheering each other on. So that's wonderful. So tell me a little bit about your kind of leadership mantra or how you view leadership. I think everybody has their unique leadership style. um, And I'm seeing more and exciting things happening in our industry where maybe the old traditional I'm the boss too, as I say, kind of vibe <laughs> is gone. <laughs> and we are seeing far more empathetic, engaged, powerful leadership. So talk to me a little bit about your leadership style and kind of the impact that you hope to make. 
Yeah, so I have always viewed my leadership role as a more of a servant role and more as a support role. So to me, it is my job to make sure that those around me are successful and that they have what they need in order to be successful. And so I provide all day to other people uh, to make sure that they're able to be successful. And so recently, uh, it was probably about a year ago that I was doing some research just with regards to leadership. And I, I came up with my own term as to what I think that we as individuals really should be seeking out as it relates to being leaders. Um, and I think this applies to any industry is this idea of being a hereafter leader. So the idea of a hereafter leader is being here, like in the today and in the now, but also being aware of the after. So the legacy that we leave behind. Yeah. So, you know, being here in the now with each individual and being present and seeking out what it is that they need in order to be successful, but also pouring out your cup into theirs yeah. so that they have the ability uh, to continue to grow once you've moved on. Yeah. I think that sometimes we can hoard our leadership and be afraid of really pouring into others uh, because that can at times make us feel threatened. But the goal should be that we leave our industry and our role mm -hmm. and our companies better for the being a part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I would hate to look back at the end of my career and not be able to point to one individual that I felt was better off because of my leading them. Right. And so I really take the approach every day of thinking about not only how I can serve someone in today's day and in their current role, but how can I serve them in a way so that in the future they are also impacted and ultimately that impacts our industry um, as a whole for the better. Yeah. So I think that it's seeing beyond today. I always talk about this idea of future self and taking care of future self. Mm -hmm. But I think that as leaders, we have the responsibilities within our organization to also make sure that we're thinking about the organizational future self. And, yeah. and sometimes that means thinking about how we can better our organization for a time where we're not going to be a part of it anymore yeah. when we've moved on or retired or had other opportunities. Yeah. And so I always try to take the approach of really thinking about in my day to day um, and then also in my in my planning uh, for the future in ways that I can leave not just the organization, but the people that I have the opportunity to work with a little bit better. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. I, I know you had shared that with me before and I saw I wanted to share with everybody here. I love this idea of the, yes, we're busy. Like we get so caught up in the day to day and the here, right? How can I serve you today? What can we do to get X sale? All of those things. But it is the after that sometimes we miss. I've seen so many people I've spoken to lately where they're at a loss of bench. Mm -hmm. They don't have that next leader. And if they promote their leader, they don't have a team member who's ready for that because they haven't thought about the and after. Right. And that does take an intentional slowdown. And that means, hey, our our one-on-ones together aren't just talking about your sales. It's also talking about your skill development and your growth and asking those questions to get them thinking more strategically and, and letting them kind of show up in that way. I remember I was really mindful when I first started selling houses. All I ever sold was townhomes. I loved it. I was young. I felt like I could really relate to the buyer profile. I saw myself as a townhome buyer. I did buy a townhome from the builder I worked for. So I was like, it was the easiest. It truly was. It was the easiest way for me to get into sales and to feel successful. But I quickly became the townhome girl. 
Right. And I did that for several years. And then I relocated to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, not so many townhomes in rural Pennsylvania, <laughs> believe it or not, no heavy amenities. Like I was used to here in Charlotte and I like froze. I was like, oh my gosh, do I even know how to sell a single family home? Like this feels complicated. I went from four pages of options to 15 pages of options. And like, will people buy a house if there's not a pool? Like I got so in my head because I had become this one thing and I got labeled this one thing and nobody had pushed me to be anything else. Right. And so as a leader, I would always look at my team and be like, who is good at what? And yes, we should absolutely play to people's strengths. But am I stopping them from reaching something greater by not yeah. giving them the opportunity to do something different? Yeah. And I see leaders do this all the time. Oh, Sarah is great at opening brand new communities. So Sarah, you're opening girl. You're going to open every brand new community because it's easy in the here. Yeah. But it's not helping the rest of your team in the after. Because yeah. what if Sarah gets promoted and you've got nobody who knows how to open a a brand new community, yeah, right? Or Sarah leaves your company. Yeah. <laughs> she's crushing it. And she's like, Oh, I can go do this somewhere else. Like you need to think about how can you, how can you yeah, leave that footprint and help everybody for whatever's to come next for them. And I remember having this very, like, you know, I made this decision. I'm going to move some of my people. I'm going to take them out of their comfort zones. Like, okay, you've been working with first time home buyers, but I think you'd really do well with active adult. I'm going to put you there and this, and I'm pulling all these levers. And I think my team just like lost their mind. They're like, what is happening? Abby just like wrecked everything. And I, I, I went out to each of them and I said, look, here's why I'm doing this. I am not doing this to you. I'm doing this for you. You've been selling the same thing. You've been serving the same buyer profile. And I know you're comfortable, but comfort's not the growth. And what happens is we go in these meetings and we make decisions when new communities open up and everybody's going to say, oh, well, he's our new home guy. Right. That's not an opportunity for him. And it's it's limiting you from growing and advancing and experiencing other things that you can in your career. If you want to be a long-term professional new home salesperson, there's a lot of skills you could develop. Right. Just one thing. I said, so I'm doing this for you. If it goes absolutely to shit, yeah. <laughs> to we will reassess because I don't want you struggling. I don't want the community struggling, but I am so confident that you can develop these new skills. And I want a team where every single person is plug and play in any community at any time and can replace me at any time. Right. Yeah. That's, that should be your goal as a leader. And I remember training one girl, she's like, why are you spending so much time? This is so nice. And, you know, I don't know when a seat's going to come available. I'm like, we don't know when another sales leader position is going to come available, but when it is, I want you ready. And I hope you pass me someday. Right. Well, and it shouldn't be my the goal as leaders. Like mm. as a, a goal as a leader is that yeah. you hope that your team outperforms you. Yeah. And, and I think like it goes back to the coaching. I think often we get it wrong in this industry because we coach in a way where, uh, you know, it's like a one size fits all. And yeah. it's not. No. I mean, we should be creating a diverse team of individuals. Yeah. I, I want to be a diverse individual. I want to have knowledge in multiple aspects of the mm -hmm. industry. Yeah. And um, and I want the same for my team. I want mm -hmm. them, you know, if, if it's something they're not really interested in, that's fine. But I want them to have the exposure and the understanding. Yeah. It also helps them understand why we make the decisions we do. And I think on top of that, I, to me, I want to be the kind of leader who when like we always talk about you need to be recruiting all the time right mm -hmm. like yep. in the sales role you should always be recruiting always making connections the last three hires i've made i did not recruit and they were top 10 people in our market yeah all every single one came to me and wanted to work 
for me. And so I think it's important important as a leader that we create a reputation for ourselves and for the culture within our companies that people want to seek us out and work for us because yeah. they know the investment that you're going to make as a leader in the individuals mm-hmm. and that that it's not going to be a robotic relationship. Yeah. I mean, I tell my people I love them all the time because I truly love them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I had a happy hour the other day and everyone was like, I love you. I love you. I, you know, as we're leaving. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is such a beautiful thing that we, and it's sincere. I mean, yeah. I care so much about the people that I love. And when you put that much investment and care into individuals, they are bound to succeed. Yes. I mean, I've, it's been years since I've had to let someone go. If you care enough to tap into the motivations of your team and mm-hmm. take the time to really get to know them, every single individual that you coach and that you lead has the ability to be successful. Absolutely. That's the truth. Absolutely. And I mean, I've seen this time and time again, where somebody does get let go, right? Maybe it was, they weren't getting what they needed, whatever they get terminated and then they go and thrive somewhere else yes. because they're getting more support. They have somebody who's more believing in them. And this kind of goes back to the old ad- adage of like, you get what you look for. Mm-hmm. If you're seeing your person as an underperformer, you're going to see them underperforming. But if you see their potential, you're going to see their potential. It's going, to, it's going to come out. But I think that's really important that as a leader, you are you are branding your organization. You're branding what it's like to be there. People will be attracted to you, solve that recruiting problem for you if you, you. Really yes. take super good care of the people that you have, which I know yeah. it can feel difficult in the day to day, but I, I hate to refer to employees as children, but like the love that I have for my kids is similar to the love that I had for my team. Right? Yes. If my kid is doing something crazy, I'm going to say, hey, time out. What's that attitude? Why are we doing that? Let's course correct, right? I'm not going to let them off the hook. And like when you do that with your team and you do it with that same like heart of like, you're better than this. I love yeah. you. Like, we don't, we're not, we're, we don't do that in this family, right? Like this is who we are and like guide and love and care for them in that way. You do feel it. Uh, it creates a whole that I had as a leader. I think anybody, when you're new in leadership, your first team is always just really memorable, right? Like yes, you've got, yes. you've got heart spots for them. Right. And we just had such a great dynamic and I truly did. I, I loved every single person. I'm still very close with all of the people on that original team. And we always joke. Um, I think there's like a quote in the office, like, how do you not, I wish I knew it was the good days when I was in the good days. Like, oh yeah. You know, like, we didn't like, I don't think we fully realized what we had, you know, when we all started going different ways and stuff, but we had this beautiful bond and we had a Christmas party at work. And they brought three different divisions together. And, you know, Christmas parties are, they're kind of mandatory, but not really like, you know, whatever. So we bring these three different divisions together. My sales team, my entire sales team showed up. Oh, wow. Everybody came, we partied, we shut the place down, we had a blast. And one of the big area presidents came over to me and he's like, Abby, your team showed up. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we had very low attendance from the other sales teams. I said, we were excited to hang out and celebrate together. Like right. we collaboratively worked our asses off this year and we're happy to have an opportunity to eat some food, have some drinks and just celebrate with each other. And you know, it, it, several different managers came up and were like, what, like, what did you do to get your team to come out? I'm like, I didn't even have to ask them. They're like, sign me up, you know? Right. Because yeah. we created just such a good environment. And I think sometimes we forget that that's, that's what matters the most is, mm-hmm making them feel 
important, making them feel valued. I hear so many salespeople now saying things like, I'm treated like a number. I feel very replaceable. That breaks my heart when women call me and they're like, hey, I feel replaceable. And I'm like, well, tell me what's happening. And the stuff that leaders are saying, you know, and, and pulling compensation plays and just being, I don't know how to say it, just leading by fear. Yeah. Right? Like, you're making great money. Why are you complaining? Well, that's not, a, that doesn't feel very loving and yeah, supportive. That's not helping them show up great. And then there's also, you know, throughout my career, and I'm sure you've heard this too, um, the golden handcuffs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the golden handcuffs is a beautiful, terrible thing. <laughs> it's really nice to be paid well. It's really nice to be compensated well. And in new home sales, you're typically carrying a backlog all the time. And that can feel like you're trapped if you're in an unhappy place. Right. And I've heard a lot of builders use that as leverage yes. to keep people. You're not going to walk away from your six-figure backlog. You're not going to da-da-da-da-da. I also heard somebody recently say um, top performers aren't looking for jobs because they're top performers and they have big backlogs. They won't leave. And I challenge that mm -hmm. because I have seen a huge shift in top performers. They found the key to unlock the golden handcuffs. Yeah. And the key to unlock the golden handcuffs is your potential. Mm -hmm. And if I know I can go replace my six-figure backlog, I don't need to put up with shit. Right. <laughs> and so I, I'm like so empowered seeing so many people, not that I encourage anybody to quit their job or walk away from thousands of dollars, but saying, I deserve more. I, I deserve right. a better work environment. I deserve a better culture. I deserve not to feel like a number. I deserve that. Like if I truly am a top performer, one of the top on the team, like show me a little bit of like gratitude. It's hard work. It it's is a huge sacrifice. These salespeople make. And I'm just, it, it's like this trend right now where there's leaders like you who are like creating these amazing, awesome cultures and really pouring into their people. And it's highlighting and amplifying the disconnect in some That's older true. leadership styles. And now I'm seeing a shift. So builders, yes, <laughs> your salespeople will walk away from six figure backlogs. I'm seeing it happen every day. Uh, yes, people like me will walk away from six figure careers because I found the key of tapping into my potential. And it's not as scary when you know what you're capable of. And these, right. these salespeople, they can, if you can sell a house, you can go and be successful really in anything. So don't forget the gift that you have and invest in that gift. And you shouldn't use compensation to keep them. You should use culture to keep them. Because I think that uh, you cannot, a, a backlog cannot replace principle. And when yeah. someone realizes that it's time to leave based off principle, yeah, there's no coming back from that. I mean, yeah. one of my most recent hires, one of her biggest issues, she had been with the builder which she was with previously for over 10 years. Yeah. And she did not feel valuable and she's extremely valuable. I and I was like this, you know, I, yeah. I, we connected more so just as a way to, um, she just wanted mentorship, not, yeah. not for a recruitment conversation mm -hmm. and had a conversation. And, you know, she made the decision that, that it, she was ready to leave. And my response was, that I was really proud of her, you know, that she, ultimately it is her decision. Like she felt like she didn't have a choice. And I said, if you choose to stay, that's your choice. You need to own it and, and decide that that was your decision. You're not spiraling out of control. You do have a decision to make. So if you yeah. choose to stay, that's your decision. But if you choose to leave, that's your decision too. And when I told her I was proud of her, she was like in the 11 years that I was with my last builder, not once did I ever hear that they were proud of me. 
That's so heartbreaking. I know. And so I'm like, that. you know, those are the things where it's so important to recognize. Yeah. I, I tried to tell my team and not just randomly, but if you actually tell someone you're proud of them in a moment when you are truly proud, mm -hmm. most of us in our lives have only heard that phrase from our parents, yeah. you know, and to have someone yeah. who has nothing to gain from being proud of who you are and it you know it's not a self-serving thing it's that they truly yeah. see something you've done and and they feel the sense of pride for you because of it yeah. it it's really powerful i i yeah. feel like we should be using that phrase a lot more often when appropriate obviously yeah yeah. yeah. All right. Everybody listening. That's your mission. Yes. Catch them doing good and let them know you saw it and, you appreciate and that you're proud of it. Yeah, it does. It hits different, right? When somebody says that yeah. it, it really, it, it feels super. I, I just, my heart's breaking. I hate that there's these little pockets and I know it's not everybody. It's not the whole industry, but there are these pockets of just really taking advantage of your team and taking advantage and using pay. Mm-hmm as leverage um, pays a conversation for a whole other day <laughs> in, in the home building world, but we should never make somebody feel like um, they're just a number, you know, right. they're a valuable member of your team in any role, not just in sales, in any role. Um, before we kind of wrap up, I know we talked a lot about some shifts that are happening in the industry, more ladies at the table, which is great, um, better in different work cultures coming up. There's about to be a pretty huge shift as a lot of our senior leadership retires. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this isn't just in home building. This is across the entire world. <laughs> There's a huge population of people that are set to retire in the next eight years, really bringing in this rise of millennials and Gen Z's into the workforce, what shifts do you see this bringing or hopeful shifts that you see this bringing to home building? You know, I, th I think that we have so much to gain from looking at our past, right? Some of that are, those are things that we should hold on to and should become tradition that we should be rooted in. But I think that also there, there's so much hope in looking towards the future and really visualizing what it is that we want, not just for our companies and for the cultures that exist within our companies, but what we want for our industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. and, and then realizing the impact that we have as individuals in, in actually being able to make a change for our industry. Yeah. And so I think that the shift that I see and kind of a trend that I see coming, and I know, you know, I feel like you're a huge part of this and the role that you're playing, but it's actually being intentional about uh, creating change. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's gonna be embraced more and more. Um, I think that uh, people are looking for a new way of doing things, yeah. um, looking for new perspectives. Um, you know, we need to create more diversity as a whole within our industry, not mm -hmm. just gender, but race and, and in all other ways. Yeah. And I think that that's the trend that we're going to continue to see, that people will respect the past and the tradition of what our industry has been to this day. But I think more and more I'm hopeful about the future and seeing this shift of new and fresh perspective that is respected and inspiring. And so I, I think that that's the trend that, that we're going to see more of is just um, new, fresh outlook and yeah. uh, an inspired hope for the future for this industry as a whole. Um, because I think that a lot of us no longer stay just within the walls of our organizations. We are reaching out in more of an industry related way to support one another and to create uh, mastermind groups where we can connect and share knowledge, uh, as well as um, other ways that we all connect. It it feels like what once felt like 
you stayed within the walls of your organization. Yes. We're all now branching out and connecting in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, we're seeing things like even you and I having the opportunity to connect and yeah. to meet was really just from other platforms where um, our industry brings people together. So yeah. I, I think we're going to see more and more of that collaborative um, approach to inspiring hope for our industry for the future. Yeah, I see that too. And I think as you were talking, you know, we always say, yes, we kind of get stuck in our organization, but also we get stuck in our department. Yeah. I would love to see in addition to the walls breaking down between organizations and better collaboration just in the industry as a whole, I would also love to see that happen internally within organizations Mm -hmm. is this breaking down of those silos between departments and really having a greater understanding and appreciation for those that we work alongside. I know for me, like when I would spend time in construction, like, oh my gosh, you guys are amazing. Like you're doing this and this and like like your mind just starts thinking at a different level and you see Mm -hmm. how the business is impacted different. And then, you know, going and spending time, you know, I spent some time in the land I call it land land. <laughs> I was on land island and, you know, it's a whole other world and it's, but you know, we couldn't do what we do on sales if we didn't have the land. And so I think just having this like appreciation for each other and what we do and how we all contribute to that big picture. But that also starts with conversations and understanding. I mean, for so long, yeah, for, yeah, for so long it was like sales, stay in your sales silo. We don't need to know what marketing's doing. Like, how do you need to know what marketing's doing? Cause they're sending mm-hmm. stuff to me. No, no, no. We don't need to know what marketing. Don't worry about construction. You're constructing. Well, I kind of need to know what construction's doing. Cause my customer wasn't out. And it's like, no, we need to forget, forget the silos, start communicating and start collaborating. And I think that's really like, I'm an old millennial. I say this all the time on the podcast. I'm sure people are tired of hearing me call myself an old millennial, but I am. And, but I love collaboration. And I think I was unique in that for a long time uh, in this industry of like, how can we work better together? Like I love to team sell. Nobody loves the team sell anymore. Everybody wants upsells. Like it's just, you're going to see these different shifts and things that people want or how they want to work and how they perform their best. And so I do think we're going to see new things, but it's going to take few people being willing to try. Right. And maybe we don't do it right, but we're going to try, right? We're going to figure it out. We have to test stuff. Um, I'm working with this one lady. and She's always like, be a scientist, be a scientist. And I do think we need to explore alternate ways. I got super geeked out. I was texting with another uh, lady who's a VP of sales in market. And we were talking about market stuff. And I just was like, compensation question for you here. And we went down this whole like rabbit hole of then like model hours and do we need them and do we not need them? And I just loved our whole conversation. We solved nothing, but just talking about it and thinking differently. And if we did this, then what would happen? Like, let's poke holes in this because I feel like to me, it's absolutely bonkers that we still like have a job description. That's the same as when I sold 18, 19 years ago. Like I, I just, technology has grown so much like what they can get online has changed so much like i just feel like it all kind of needs like whiteboard erased and if we could build a new plan what would that look like and i I I think that's part of that generational shift that you just talked about where we're going to see an exit of a lot of people who have been in this industry for quite some time and they've done it the way that they do it because that's the way we've always done it. And Mm -hmm. now we have all these fresh perspectives coming in that are like, what if we tried this? What if we did this different? And I I think that's going to create a more collaborative, you know, fully bought in environment across all boards. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, wonderful. I know you have some new projects coming on too. We've got a book in the making, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. So um, my book, uh, Just Brave It, is the name of the book. And it's really about, it, it is a book for women. I actually uh, call it a some nonsense guide for uh, women wanting to live a brave and fulfilling life. But it's really about looking into your past stories to recognize your brave moments as just that brave. Cause I think often we don't give ourselves credit in those moments to realize how truly brave we have been. And that helps inspire bravery for the future. I always talk about, um, I think almost every woman in our industry, um, has used the the phrase fake it till you make it at some exactly. point in time in their career. Yeah. And I've changed that a little bit. And now I always say I braved it till I made it because yeah when you're faking something, you're stepping out, doing something outside your comfort zone that you're not really sure of, mm -hmm. uh, but you do it anyway. And isn't that kind of what bravery is? It's yeah. when we step outside of our comfort zones um, and do something that that makes us feel uncomfortable, uh, but we decide to do it anyway. And so really the idea of the book is looking into your past stories to understand who you are, the impact that you want to make, and then how you do that. Um, and then I have had the opportunity to have a group of women share their Just Brave It stories as well, which your story, uh, you shared a short story for the book as well. So I'm excited um, to have that as a part of the book as well. So that uh, should come out mid-May. Um, so I'm very excited for that. Um, and, and so, yeah, that you know, I think it's going to be uh, hopefully something that inspires the women in our industry to to look at their past experiences um, and realize that they are capable of, of accomplishing anything that they want. Because I think my biggest struggle uh, in this industry and just with my background was that I always knew that I was capable. So capable wasn't the issue. It was that I struggled with believing that I was worthy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my why or the impact that I want to make for women in our industry is uh, to help women understand that they're not only capable of achieving the things that they want, but they're also worthy of those things. Yeah. And that's really the idea behind the book itself. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I love that whole concept of logging your brave moments and mm -hmm. reflecting on them to kind of go back to it. I call it like your hype girl letter. Yeah. So if I get a coaching client who's just like really low in confidence, I'm like, you need to tell me one or two times in your past where you overcame something big because all of us have, all mm -hmm. of us have. And then I want you to sit as that person and say like, hey, Abby, remember when you did, 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 and write it and without fail, you know, waterworks, we all start, like I wrote my letter for Amy and I was crying while I wrote it. And, yeah. you know, because you revisit this part of your life where you had to tap into something you didn't even know you had, right? Right, yeah. And, but then you need reminded of that when you're faced with that hard thing again. And that's where you're like, hey, if I did that, if I was capable of doing that and also worthy of getting the outcome that I got for braving it, then I can do this again. Yeah. And I'm worthy of it again. And and not buying the bullshit story that our lovely mind likes to tell us. Or maybe somebody in your in your world that doesn't believe in you or the dream's too big mm -hmm. and it scares them. I know for me, I'm a huge big dreamer. I'm often like, oh, I want to do this crazy thing. And, you know. Early in my life, I was met with a lot of, oh my God, you're absolutely nuts. But now it's like, okay, Abby, 
this is not happening in the next six months to a year. Like people get it. Like, okay, you you don't get it unless you dream big. And even my husband, like at this point, I'll bring the most craziest thing up and he'll be like, all right, so what's the first step? And I'm like, God, I love you. Right. <laughs> You're just on board. Like right. every, every dreamer needs a believer. He's my believer and I'm the dreamer. You're but, the dreamer, yes. But, the, but you, you don't get to the point of, being bold and doing that until you realize your power through the things that we've overcome. And so I'm very excited to read the book and hear your full story and read some of the stories of the other ladies. Um, but I hope it does encourage women to tap into your braveness and brave doesn't mean you're not scared. Brave just means you're going to do, oh, it, anyway. to do it anyway. Yes. Just gonna do it anyway. Yeah. And I think that's a misnomer, right? I think we see these ladies who are, um, just crushing it, right? And we think, oh, they're fearless. Mm -hmm. Oh, and oh, they. Yeah. Oh no! We are doing. We just have like passion, and and we're 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 scrappy enough to try, right? I I call myself a brave expert, but the mm -hmm. reason that I'm a brave expert is because I practice bravery on the daily because yeah. I'm terrified. Yeah. all the time and yeah. so i've gotten really good at being brave because i'm just a big old scare scaredy cat i mean that's that's the reality and so i think that in sharing our stories with other people it helps us to recognize the moments uh when we were most brave but it also inspires other women to say hey you know what like they're right if they can do these things yeah. then i can just brave it too and i think that's a really powerful gift to be able to give someone else absolutely absolutely well amy where can everybody find you reach out to and connect if they want to learn more about your book coming up or just you know want to thank you for your sharing your story today so i do have a, you can connect with me on linkedin i'm also on facebook it's you know amy drew hot i do have a website amydrewhot.com uh, that is more so just for a contact uh reference or to be able to contact me. Um, so if someone wants to connect or uh, has questions for me or uh, just wants to share a brave story, I would love to hear it. Yeah. So uh, they can go to amydrewhot.com and submit uh, and uh, contact uh, through that website. Wonderful. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And it's a bye for now. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Rise and Shine. We hope you're leaving today's conversation feeling inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to make a meaningful impact in your career and life. Remember, your journey is unique and every step you take brings you closer to your goals. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a moment of empowerment and share with a friend, somebody who you think may benefit from this episode too. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, insights, and even topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes episodes by connecting with us on social media or leaving a review. Your feedback helps us tailor Rise and Shine to meet your unique needs. Until next time, keep rising, keep shining, and keep making your mark in the world of home building.